for Pastor Brad, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Love you, Pastor. You bet. What a cool deal. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate that. Uh, what a joy to be here. Great group today, man. And Dan, thank you for you and your team leading today. Okay, give it up for that worship team today, all right? Seriously, man. I don't... Pastor, they don't understand all that goes on with sometimes, you know, and to, to, to know what you guys do week in and week out is really, really cool. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Um, well, my family's back here. Not all of my kids. I have four kids. I have one in, uh, in uh, college. She's a, a nursing student, and so she's out in, in Louisiana still. But I've got three of my other kids here today, and so really glad for that. Carter and Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy's out in college, and in Carolina, Catherine, my wife, Stephanie. And then David Rainey and his sweet wife, Abby, and their kiddos are here. He's on our staff team, does, helps us with small groups and young adult ministry. And then Davlin Garrison is on our media team, uh, who's in the back, kind of been filming and stuff. We want to help this church share what you guys are doing, what God's doing here. So we're going to capture video and, and tell the story as well for you guys. But then we also want to share it out in Louisiana because we have a lot of people been praying for you guys, okay, and uh, who love you and are very, very proud of what you're doing here uh, in the San Diego, San Diego area. So really, really excited about that, okay? So I'm going to be preaching from Genesis 39, uh, chapter 39, 40, 41, walking through some of the scriptures there, because um, I just want to encourage you guys as a church. Um, I grew up mostly here in Southern California. I grew up in the city of Redlands, if you know where that is, near uh, Riverside, San Bernardino area. Uh, and so graduated high school there and moved to a place called um, Springdale, Arkansas, which is northwest Arkansas. The University of Arkansas is in Fayetteville, right next to that. And so that was a big change from Southern California to northwest Arkansas. Um, but heard a, I heard a pastor uh, named Ronnie Floyd preaching on the radio and uh, just said, man, I love his vision, his passion, and I want to go... Uh, just be a part. I had surrendered a ministry at 14, went to Redlands High School, and uh, we were trying to make a difference for Christ at that high school, and, and God allowed us to do some cool things. But I was sold out to Jesus, heard this preacher on the radio, and got involved with their college ministry. And a year later, um, he introduced me to Stephanie. We've been married 25 years and, and four kids, and, and grateful to God uh, for all they did. We were, I, I saw Stephanie on a Wednesday night. She was singing before I preached at a deal, and I was like, Lord, she needs me. And uh, I just began to pray that God would do it. And obviously she saw, you know, the Lord leading in that way. And that was cool. Anyway, but married 25 years and very, very grateful. Um, but, you know, she, you know, when you, when you uh, marry someone in a ministry, that's a big challenge. You got to be a team. And that's what I love about your pastor and his wife. I can tell they're a team and they, they are giving their all to this ministry. That's why I'm so grateful for you, sir, and, and, your, and your team here. And so, uh, but Stephanie's been, been awesome, but lived in Northwest Arkansas a few years and, and traveled around the country and preached um, and uh, enjoyed coming back to California. I would do youth camps and citywide outreach events, speak in schools, and then I've pastored for the last 15 years, uh, 10 years in, in uh, Lubbock, Texas, uh, where Texas Tech University is. And then, uh, so I value, you know, college kids and young adults, all that. It's really cool. But then f the last five years in Northwest Louisiana at a more established church. So I've been in a new church start, okay? And I'll reference some of that, but I've also been in a, at a uh, existing church, you know, that's got a lot of history and heritage. And so I really value what you guys are doing. And our ministry in Louisiana is passionate about partnering with churches like yours that are starting that want to make a difference for Christ where, where God's placed you in some overwhelming odds, you know, millions of people, where do you start, you know? Um, Stephanie and I have a heart for that. Our church has a heart for that. And so we have church planning partnerships in D.C., 
uh, Detroit, Austin, Texas, and here in San Diego. And we've really tried to make this a real um, uh, strategic partnership of our church. So you may not know where Louisiana is, um, and, and that's, it's good, all right? I, I'm not from there, but the Lord's allowed us to minister there. And actually, right now, our church service is going on in Louisiana. It's two hours ahead, so it's kind of cool that I'm preaching here. Literally at the same time, we'd be preaching out there, uh, but we got one of our staff team doing that. So I'm excited about what the Lord would do, okay? Uh, but I want us to, uh, to live ready for everything that God calls us to do, Okay. So I fell in love with a restaurant called Denny's. You guys know what I'm talking about? When I lived here in Southern California, we would do Christian rock outreach concerts all over Southern California as a teenager, and we'd do the, the show, and then we would go to Denny's, okay? So I fell in love with Denny's long ago. So um, several years ago, maybe about seven or eight years ago, uh, my son Carter and I are watching the Super Bowl, okay? It's a big football game, and we're watching the game, and one of the greatest commercials of all time came on, and it said, um, everybody... Uh, that goes to Denny's this Tuesday following the Super Bowl will get free breakfast. And I thought, wow, I love Denny's. This is the greatest commercial of all time. And I said to my wife, because she's super cheap, I said, uh, I said, I'm going to Denny's. It's a free breakfast. Why would you not go? And she said, that, that's great, Brad. You do your thing. My son is like, I want to go to Denny's too. I was like, dude, you don't understand, bro. I got to get up way or like 4.35 in the morning. This is big. I got to get there. And it's a school morning. I'm not sure mom will let you do it. And she didn't. Stephanie wouldn't let him do it. And it was sad. And she had to repent and get right with God. But, but, uh, but I got up early in the morning. I did. Five o'clock in the morning. I got up. I'm going to Denny's for a free breakfast. And I'm walking through the living room and I have my cell phone. And I thought, you know, I'm going to check on little buddy. I wonder if maybe he's awake, you know, and I'm just going to check on him. So I turn on my little cell phone light. I go in the room and he's asleep. And I was just like, hey, buddy, buddy. And I hear him. He goes, what? Dad? I said, hey, man, you want to go to Denny's? He said, yes. And he threw the bed sheet covers off, and he was fully dressed. <laughs> he had gone to bed fully dressed, wanting to go to Denny's at early in the morning. We go to Denny's. The line was wrapped around the restaurant. We didn't have time to go to Denny's uh, before school and wait in that line. I had to go to IHOP, and we spent $18 on breakfast. Don't tell Stephanie. But I went from a free breakfast to that. But I love the fact that that the man went to bed ready to go. And I thought, you know, Lord, that's the way I want to live for you. I want to live totally ready to share my faith, to take a stand for Christ, to make a difference for Jesus, to, to prayerfully see every relationship that you put in my life as either an opportunity to lead them to Christ, or if they know Christ, let's make a difference for Jesus. Every relationship matters. And one of the things that I love about a church situation like you guys are in, new, so you're not even a year old, right, Pastor? You're not even, six months, you know, you guys have an incredible opportunity to see every relationship as an opportunity to lead someone to Christ or to see the growth of this ministry expand. You don't know how God will work in all that, but you're being faithful. Would you think about Joseph for a moment? In Genesis 39, he was standing for Christ. He was falsely accused to do something wrong. He's overseeing this household. He'd already been sold into slavery by his own family. You talk about wanting to follow God but walking through difficult times. He takes the right stand for God and doesn't give in to temptation and gets put in prison for it. He's falsely accused, thrown in prison, okay? And the Bible says here in Genesis 39 verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him, and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. Is this on, by the way? Is this, is this on? 
good, I'm sorry, I was just, I was sitting there talking, I'm going, man, all right. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under his authority, and he was responsible for everything that was done there. And the warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything that he did successful. Here he's in prison, but God was with him. He meets two of the king, or of Pharaoh's, highest in command in his team, okay, his cupbearer and his baker, okay, two very close associates. And it says in chapter 40, after this, the Egyptian king's cupbearer and the baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, pushed him in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, look at this, where Joseph was confined, okay, and the captain of the guard assigned Joseph to them. And he became their personal attendant, and they were in custody for some time. King's cupbearer, the baker, they were confined in the prison. Each had a dream, and both had a dream on the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they looked distraught. You ever been stressed out? Yeah, of course. Every day we face things, right? These guys were distraught. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? And they had, we had dreams, they said to him, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. The cupbearer tells him his dream. Joseph interprets the dream and says, in three days, you're going to be rewarded, you're going to be released, and you're going to be put back in your position. The, the, uh, the uh, baker shares his dream. He says, well, in three days, you'll be lifted out of prison, but so will your head. You're going to die. And both of those came true on verse 20 on the third day which is pharaoh's birthday he gave a feast for all of his servants he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker pharaoh restored the chief cupbearer to his position as cupbearer he placed the cup in pharaoh's hand but pharaoh hanged the chief baker just as joseph had explained to them yet the chief cupbearer did not remember joseph he forgot him joseph had asked him hey man i'm going to interpret these dreams but you remember why don't you share this good word with Pharaoh? Look at what happens in chapter 41, verse 1. Two years later, two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. And he sees this incredible scenario of great prosperity followed by great famine. Okay, No one could interpret these dreams for him. None of his leaders. But the Bible says in verse 9 of chapter 41, Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh had been angry with his servants. He put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guard. And he and I had dreams on the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. Now, a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain guards, was with us there, and we told him our dreams. He interpreted our dreams for us, and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position. The other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Can you imagine that moment? You've been in prison, really wrongly, Okay, didn't do anything wrong. And for two years, he's in prison. And now Pharaoh sends for Joseph. They quickly bring him to the, from the dungeon. He shaves, changes his clothes, went to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream. No one can interpret it. But I've heard it said about you that you, you can hear a dream and interpret it. And I love what he says in verse 16. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Every relationship matters. The question is, will you and I individually and will we collectively as the body of Christ, okay, how intentional are we going to be with the relationships that God has us for, for you and your life as a follower of Jesus, but also as a 
ministry. Have you thought about that? Who knew that God would use these two relationships in Joseph's life to elevate him to the highest place in the land? That's what I want to unpack a little bit this morning, all right? Think about it this way as a church, okay? This church could build powerful relationships with those that God puts before you, with those that God puts before me. And God can use each of these relationships powerfully. Have you thought about that lately? Okay, as you guys are praying and gathering and meeting, every relationship matters. Every relationship matters and can be a powerful influence for Jesus. So I want to break this down. If you guys are taking notes or or not, that's fine. I'm just going to try to be as simple and clear as I can this morning, okay? If we desire to be a church, and I believe this church does, if we desire to be a church that influences every relationship with Christ, then number one, every one of us must cultivate our relationship with God above all else. I think it's very important in verse 21 of chapter 39, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Before Joseph could stand strong for the living God, he had to have a real, growing, thriving, personal relationship with the living God, okay? So as we meet and we greet and, and, and we worship together and we sing together and we serve together, each of us as a follower of Jesus Christ has to ask ourselves, how is my relationship with the living God? Joseph was going through some very difficult times. I guarantee you, if we took time to drink coffee and share each other's stories, every one of us would say, I'm walking through a challenging situation, or I just got, just got out of one, or I'm about to go into one, okay? Your relationship with Jesus Christ is the number one relationship for your life and mine. It's got to be thriving. It's got to be growing. It needs to be our greatest, uh, needs to be our greatest passion. Why? Because you're going to face pressures personally, and listen, collectively as a church body, you're going to face a lot of challenges, okay? Already is a new church. Let me, listen, Satan hates the name of Jesus. Satan hates you meeting together today on the Lord's Day in a place for worship, community, and outreach. He hates it. He will do everything he can to undermine this ministry. I'm just telling you right now, very real enemy, hates the fact that you want to be a strong man of God, hates the fact that you want to be a strong woman of God. Hates the fact that Joseph wanted to stand strong for the living God, okay? And so he's going to do everything. You're going to face pressures, a lot of pressures as this ministry grows. So Stephanie and I, when I transitioned out of itinerant preaching and traveling, when I was traveling around the country and speaking to schools and doing all this kind of stuff, outreach, kind of like a a Billy Graham type ministry, I really enjoyed that. Um, But Stephanie and I started having kids. I was graduating seminary. I went to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in North Carolina. And so Steph and I had gone through there, and I just sensed that I wanted to pastor. I, I, I love the fact of building a team and working with others and reaching a city and reaching the world. So we had a chance to pastor in Lubbock, Texas. The first church that I went to, okay, you know, uh, this larger church that had a pastor, it was the toughest, most brutal 18 months of Steph and I's life. Stephanie had grown up in ministry, and she said, you know, Brad, you're going to go to this church. You're going to think that everybody loves Jesus, and everybody wants to win the world to Christ, and they want to reach every college student. She had grown up in a minister's home. She had seen all the challenges. I had not, okay? And she was right. But the wife is always right. I'm just going to acknowledge that right now, always. But that was one of the most brutal 18 months in our lives, in ministry. It was, it was crazy difficult. And we, we said, okay, Lord, we learned some lessons there. We were there 18 months. That was special. And we'll just see what happens, all right? This state convention, kind of like the Baptist Association here in San Diego, helping this kind of church, they said, Brad, you were just there 18 months. We're starting this new church in Lubbock, Texas, 
And with all these college students and all this that's out there in West Texas, why don't you, they really want you to pass this. I'm like, man, we got four kids. Our youngest was like two months old at the time. You know, how, how many people do they have? They have about 30. Well, do you have a budget? Nope. Do you have a building? Nope. I'm like, okay, I got four small, small kids. My wife and I just went through a very difficult season. Not sure. We may just look at one of these other opportunities around the country. And they said, well, you need to pray about it. And so after three months, we prayed about it and said, maybe God wants us to help us get this church off the ground. Okay. And so we were meeting in a place called the party house. It was a frat party house where they would do like parties on Friday night and Saturday night. And we were doing church just like this, setting up just like this in a place. We had one room for all of our kids and we're sitting there going, and four of our kids were like, most all the kids. And so, I mean, it was a full house, but it was like all of our kids. And so we were meeting at this place called the party house. And on Sunday mornings before guests would get there, me and Carter and some of our other kids, we'd be picking up beer cans to try and clean up the place for all this to do church. We met there for a few weeks. Then we started meeting at a place called the Holiday Inn. You guys ever stayed at Holiday Inn? Wonderful place to stay, tough place to do church, all right? But we did it. For six months, we would set up, tear down, develop a team. Then we met for two years at a place called the Science Spectrum, which was a multi-use facility that was very expensive, but we were trying to meet. And, and then we bought land, you know, and, and we bought land there. Of course, in, in Lubbock, Texas, they have a little bit more land than San Diego, okay? And so we had a chance to buy uh, 58 acres of land for $1.5 million, Okay. Now, you can't even buy like 200 feet of land for a million five in San Diego. But in Lubbock, it, it didn't matter. It may as well have been $500 million. We didn't have any money. I mean, we had like, you know, 75 people meeting at our church. But we wanted to dream big and say, well, what if the Lord did allow us to have some land? Maybe we could buy enough land and sell some of it, pay off that note, and then build our first building and grow. So we began to dream like that. But you talk about pressure. I mean, we're, you know, bringing in X amount of money, and then it's like we're going to take this step. And, you know, one of the coolest things was I remember sharing, Pastor, with our church, just meeting like this, like 75 people. And, I was, and I'm just sharing with them, hey, we have a chance for 58 acres. The bank wants to work with us. We can do this. And it's for a million five. And people are like, oh, I don't know. But what if we could sell five acres of the best part on the front, still keep a main entrance, Maybe the Lord would allow us to do that. And I love what one of our, our early members said. They said, Pastor, is that enough land? I'm laughing too. I was like, are you kidding? But sometimes I think God wants us to do some things that we would laugh at and say, there's only one way this works, and that's God. You know what I'm saying? And so we did. We purchased that 58 acres of land for 1.5, and the bank said it's the best choice of land in all this growing city with Texas Tech and everything. And... Um, you might sell some land in five years. We sold five acres of land in five months for a million dollars. And then the bank was like, whoa. And then we paid off the rest of that note and we're able to build our first building. But we took those steps together and then the church grew and grew and we were doing all kinds of things. My point is, you're going to face a ton of pressures. Steph and I have been right where you are. I'm telling you, man, this, this is not easy what you guys are doing. But that's why if you will walk with Jesus, not only could Joseph face prison and a long deal and ordeal there but whatever pressures we face as believers come what may i'd rather have god with me on my side than anything else in life you're going to face pressures all day long you know david dealt with pressures all throughout his life he was a man who knew what it meant to live under pressure 
He said uh, in Psalm 63, 1 through 5, You, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. David was a man who was walking through a deep, deep challenge, okay? You're going to face them. I'm going to face them. We all will face them. That's why the greatest relationship Joseph could ever cultivate was his relationship with Jesus. So before we do anything else, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Okay? Is it growing? Is it strong? By the way, it's what I love about church life. It's where you build relationships. It's where you can encourage each other. We all need it, man. We all need it. Some of these folks say, well, I just go to church every now and then when I just kind of need it. No, listen, man. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we need the body of Christ. Okay? Because all of us, that's the number one relationship we've got to be having. So if we want to be a church that influences every relationship with Jesus Christ, then we've got to make sure our relationship with Jesus is growing and thriving, number one. Joseph had that. The Lord was with him, and God used him. Number two, I think this is an interesting point. Every one of us must be willing to build relationships. Every one of us must be willing to build relationships, okay? So it's interesting in chapter 40, okay, um, Joseph notices the cupbearer and the baker, they were distraught, um, they were downcast, and he asks them, you know, why do you look so sad today at the end of verse 7 and in verse 8? They said, we, we, man, we had dreams, you know, um, but there is no one to interpret them. We're really bothered by what we see, don't understand it. No one can explain it to them. And then I think it's interesting. Then Joseph said to them, see you later. Is that what the Bible says? No. The Bible says Joseph said to them, don't interpretation belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Joseph could have said, I've got better things to do. You guys deserve where you're at. I'm out. He could have said, you know what? I don't even belong here. I've done nothing wrong. I'm mad at God. Don't like this. Don't like you. You work for Pharaoh. He put me in prison. I'm out. Joseph put all that aside and said, God, I don't know what you're up to, but I've met these two guys here in prison, and I'm willing to engage with them. And by your grace, I'll be able to interpret and help them with what they're grappling with today. Joseph was willing to cultivate relationships with others to influence for God. The question is, how willing are you? Okay, My prayer is that God will continue to knit your hearts together as a, as a growing community of faith here. Okay, Where you're praying, you're believing, you're trusting, and you're taking steps together. But every one of us, God will put relationships in your path. Whether you work at a school, whether you work at a business, whether you're going to school, maybe you're a student and you're working in a business, whatever it is, man. If you're willing to trust God and say, Father, help me, okay? Sometimes we don't want to build relationships because we've been hurt before, right? How many of you here have ever been hurt by relationships? Yeah, every one of us, man. And even in ministry, it can be tough because you bank on things and you trust people and you go, man, I want to do this with you. And they let you down. Guess what? I still have to be willing to build relationships. I can't just say, well, God, that hurt me there and that hurt me there. You've got to be willing to take those steps because you never know how God will use that. God will often, think about this, just like in Joseph's life, God will often put people in opportunities, 
before you that can be incredible avenues for God to work in a strategic way for his glory. For his glory. That's what I get excited about in my life and in your life. These relationships would challenge him. They would test him. They would stretch him a little bit. But he wanted to be faithful to God, and he was willing to cultivate relationships. I'm, I, you're going to miss opportunities for sharing the power of Jesus with others and seeing God do incredible things if you live selfishly and unwillingly to cultivate relationships that are around you. I mean, at the end of the day, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we can either go through this life and say, man, I'm grateful for your grace, oh God, grateful for your truth, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to worship you, and then we don't do anything to build relationships with those around us, either to build a bridge to talk to them about their faith in Christ, if they have any. Many people that I've found, they just kind of believe whatever. They're just kind of hoping for whatever. Well, when I get to heaven, I think God will weigh my good out with my bad, and you and I are both. No, there is no other answer except Jesus Christ. There's only one who came to pay for the sins of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. There is no other God that can claim that. There's no other God that can do that. So you and I, as followers of Christ, we have to be willing to build relationships with others because he's the answer. He is the only answer, you know. And beyond that, you never know how God will use those opportunities in your life. Or you don't know how God will use those relationships to impact this growing body of believers in this church. Joseph had to be willing. We have to be willing. So when I was pastoring this church in Lubbock, and it's getting off the ground and growing and this and that. I got a phone call from a guy that I didn't know at all. His name was Tom Stone. He was the brand new women's soccer coach, which was the only official soccer team at Texas Tech University. I didn't know, you know, I'd played soccer growing up, but I didn't really know about women's soccer and the team. And I, I knew that they had barely won any games in like years or whatever at Texas Tech. But they got this new coach, okay? And he calls me and he says, hey, he's the first one to ever call me PB. All right, PB here stands for what? Pacific Beach, right? But PB is Pastor Brad, where I'm come from. So when you kept saying PB, I'm like, wow, you're calling me Pastor Brad. That's kind of cool. But it wasn't. It was Pacific Beach, whatever. Um, but Pastor Brad, he was the first one to ever call me PB. He said, PB, my wife and I and our two little ones have been visiting your church for the last four or five months. We've been here a year as the new coach, and we really feel like we're going to invest here in Lubbock, Texas, okay? Which is not San Diego, okay? There's like a lot of dirt. And it's way, way flat. It's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. It's way West Texas, all right? But you, you, you've got this major university, you know, Texas Tech University and all these other college kids, and it's a growing deal anyway. It's just out there in the middle of nowhere. So to get this big-time coach to come there was a big deal. And he, and we have lunch, and he says, um, we're going we're gonna to come to your church, and we love what God's doing here, and we want to invest, but I'm going to ask you to do something. He says, I'm a Christian, but nobody on my team knows it. And I want God to do something special on my team. I mean, I was just like, whoa, here's a D1 coach just saying, I'm a Christian. No one knows that I want God to do something. He said, would you come be our chaplain? I, I had no idea what that meant, a chaplain for a women's soccer team at Texas Tech. I was like, maybe? I don't know. I don't know what all that means. And I could have said, I'm too busy. You know, that's going to take some Friday nights. It's going to take some Sunday afternoons. I could have said all of that. I really could have. And there's a part of me that wanted to. We were doing so much, you know, setting up and tearing down and moving and building and doing all this stuff. I didn't know if I had time for that, right? I mean, all of us can make a thousand excuses for any situation. But I also appreciated his, his uh, courage to want to be a man of God and influence 
his sphere for Jesus. I said, you know what, I'll do it. First night, he said, all I want you to do is this is the home games. Would you come lead in prayer? And so we went in there, and we, 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 he said, here, we've got a new chaplain on our team. We're going to open in prayer. The whole team except one athlete, stay, she stays in the locker room, but the whole team comes out there. We hold hands. No one said anything. I just prayed over them. We're walking. I said, coach, did you think that, I mean, that go okay? He's like, are you kidding? Dude, I thought we'd have like one. This is crazy. The next week, all the team was there. Throughout that season, the athletic director joined us. The family that their name built the entire new complex joins us from Houston, Texas. And we start praying and start identifying. There's some, there were some believers on that team. Many of them were not followers of Jesus. But we started building relationships, and they knew we cared for them, loved them, and were there for them. And I would bring my kids, and we would you know, host things at our church, and we would invite athletes to the house for Easter lunch. I mean, we just built relationships. The star player on the team was not a believer in Jesus. She was atheist. She didn't believe in God, was mad at God. She came to church after that first season on Father's Day. Came to church with a couple of friends from the team. And I sat with her after church in the foyer, and she had been battling all kinds of things. I mean, drug issues. She was going to lose it all. Star player out of Dallas, Texas. And you could tell she was mad at God because all she had seen from Christianity was her dad's demonstration of, of Jesus, and it was just terrible. And she just was asking me all these questions. Is Jesus like this? Is Jesus, you know, and I said, Connor, are you ready to follow Christ? And she said, I'm not ready yet, Pastor Brad, but, but thanks for talking. Two weeks later, she called me, and she said, can you meet me at the coffee shop across from Texas Tech? I said, you bet. And right there in that coffee shop, she said, I'm ready to follow Jesus. The next week, no, two weeks later, the entire team comes and watches her be baptized at our church. And out of that relationship, for the next four years, through that chaplaincy, I became best friends with the chancellor of the university. They allowed us to do a collegiate worship service on campus in the brand new chapel that they had built. So on Sunday nights, we were doing a worship service for college students and built all these relationships. It was amazing what God allowed. And three days before I moved to Louisiana, I'm in the pool of the coach's home baptizing two more players and an assistant coach before we moved out to Louisiana. Now, I could have said, don't have time for this, not interested, don't even understand women's soccer, whatever. And now we've had friends and relationships. And do you know that that team drives all the way out to Louisiana now at our new sports complex for outreach? And we play LSU on our fields and we share Jesus at halftime and they're building relationships. Literally, nine hours away, they'll drive all that way. Relationships. You don't know how God will use a relationship that you're cultivating today in the life of this church a month from now or six months from now. Who knows? Okay? But Joseph was willing. How willing are you? And I'm going to close here and wrap this up here in a few minutes, all right? If you want to be a church who influences every relationship for Christ, third and finally, this every one of us must be prayerful with every relationship. Prayerful, leaning on God, trusting in God. Seeking the Lord, okay? So I find it interesting in chapter 41, Pharaoh, the leader, who, by the way, in that culture, he was perceived as God, okay? And so it's interesting, verse 14, Pharaoh sends for Joseph. They shave him, change his clothes. He goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream. No one can interpret it, but I've heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. And I love that Joseph does not say, you know, I am the man. And if your boy had stepped up like he told me he would, I'd have already done. No. Joseph says what? I'm not able to. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Let me tell you something, Pharaoh. 
My, my only hope is the God who created all things. My only hope is the God who formed you and who's in charge of everything. That's who's going to interpret this. Joseph knew, apart from praying and asking the Lord, he knew that it was God's power to open doors, God's power to interpret dreams, God's power to influence lives around him. So in prayer, as a church body, guess what we ought to be doing, okay? Right here in San Diego, in Louisiana, this is what we ought to be committed in prayer. Asking, seeking, and trusting in God's power to open doors for gospel impact and to help us cultivate every relationship for kingdom influence. Can you imagine what God will do a year from now as this church takes those steps? You guys have come such a long way in six months. It is day by day, step by step, Praying for your pastor, praying for your leaders, praying for each other, praying for your children's ministry, praying for your student ministry, praying for vision as God unfolds that. Praying and every relationship, you have no idea what God wants to do this week, this month, this year. I, I'm telling you, I look at this room and I'm going, I, I don't even know all y'all. And I'm praying that God will open those doors. But Joseph said, hey, I'm not the man. I'm going to show you who's really the living God. What if our lives did that? You know? So when we moved to Louisiana, I'd never lived there. Tons of humidity. You know why I'm so stoked about being in San Diego? Because there's no humidity. It messes up my hair. Bad things happen, you know? That's so cheesy. It's so stupid. But anyway. <laughs> but my point is, you move to Louisiana Lots of Cajun food, Pastor, and lots of shrimp and, and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. So all, that's all new. I go from literally the desert of Lubbock to northwest Louisiana where they actually have real trees, right? And, and, and everybody hunts and fishes and all that. You know what else is in, or in uh, Bossier City, Louisiana? Barksdale Air Force Base. It's the largest B-52 base in the world. It's also home to Global Strike Command. Everything nuclear is right out of, Bar of Barksdale Air Force Base in, Global Strike, in northwest Louisiana. That is the Air Force Base that President Bush on September 11th, 2001, landed and addressed the nation for the very first time. Very pivotal moment. Condoleezza Rice was with them. Steph and I got to visit with them. And it's amazing how in the midst of all that, this base was key to all that. So here I am, new to the area. I've not, I, I didn't, um, I've always appreciated our military, but I didn't serve in the military. When I graduated Rutherlands High School, one of my best friends was going to Camp Pendleton, was going to be a Marine. In fact, he invited me to be uh, in the buddy system. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll be with you in the buddy system. But I thought I'll be your buddy and send you care packages and letters. That's not what the buddy system is, though. You go in as a buddy. And I was like, dear God, I can't do that many push-ups and, and all that. I mean, I'm, I would die. And, uh, but anyway, so huge respect for the military. But I don't know how to connect with that, with that group, right? Men and women and, and, and single airmen and women. I mean, it's crazy. And so there I am in Louisiana at this church. Lord, what are you doing? And I just began to press it. Lord, this ain't Texas Tech. We don't have a major university here, but you do have this Barksdale Air Force Base military community. How do we influence that for your glory? And I began to pray for a relationship. I kid you not, the next day I get a phone call from my assistant. And she says, Pastor Brad, General Vanderham would like you and Stephanie and the kids to come to the base, and they'd like to have dessert. He's been visiting for three months. You're the only pastor that followed up with him, that like wrote him a note and, and reached out to him. So relationships matter. Taking time to follow up with people matters, right? They need to know you care. 
and he'd like to have you guys over for dessert. So I learned something. You have to be on time in the military, okay? So we were there. I struggled with that from time to time. But we got there on time, and this was bizarre. We go in. He has 11 kids, okay? 11 kids. So we had our own church right there. And I move it, and, and we walk in, and I'm in the the the, the front area of his of his uh, little home there on base. And he says, Pastor Brad, before we start tonight, you're from Redlands, California. I said, Yes, sir, I am. He said, uh, My stepmom, uh, step, excuse me, my mother-in-law is from Redlands, California. Became a Christian there. My wife became a Christian in Redlands, California. Our dearest friends in life are pastoring the church in Redlands that you grew up in. First of all. How did he find out all that information on me? That's what I want to know. It kind of scared me. But second of all, it was really of God to have that kind of connection with him. I thought, here's this general wouldn't have a clue, you know? And out of that relationship, they joined our church. We have begun this ministry for military family connection, for airmen, spouses, their kids. We do an event called Honor Our Heroes every year. Um, Chris Kyle, the American sniper, if you ever saw that movie, his wife, Taya, came to our church as our first guest. Um, the, uh, the movie 1517 of Paris, um, Spencer Stone and his three buddies, okay, that just came out last year. Spencer, who, by the way, lives in L.A., and we're connected with him, he came and shared his story with us. Uh, um, Congressman Scalise out of Louisiana was one who was wounded last summer, a year ago in the summer. They were out there playing baseball or practicing for their team and Congress leaders, and the two Capitol Hill police officers, David Bailey, and the other one were there. They were the only ones there because Steve Scalise's position, and they saved, well, they saved an absolute um, slaughter that day. And I had Officer Bailey come and share his story, and it was powerful. But here's the deal. We share that story, and we love on military, first responders, police officers. You, it is crazy. They are sitting there. We do a free breakfast, do a free lunch. We have guests. We come, and we share the gospel of Jesus. But we love on them and their kids and their families. We just shower them with love. And they don't know how to take it because they're always the ones serving others, right? And they don't know what it's like to sit there and have all these people serve on them and love on them, and they're blown away. What I'm saying to you is one relationship at a military base, and now, and then Stephanie She's watching kids every other Monday because we started a brand new ministry called Mom Life. And these moms come and they drop off their kids and they're just trying to connect. And we've already outgrown that entire deal for our first semester ever. But most of them are military is what I'm saying. And they're just hungry for someone to tell them that they love them and are there for them. The greatest relationship every one of us can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. My prayer today is that all of us here today know him in a real way, okay? He's the only one who has the power to forgive our sins. He is returning soon, and that's what motivates us in Louisiana to not only do what we can to reach our region for Jesus, but we're thrilled to be a part, a small part, okay, of helping y'all's church do something for Jesus, for other churches in our area. We've had teams out here for three or four years. It's what we're doing in D.C. It's why we're trying to do things around the world, right? Just know that we love you. We're here for you. I thank God for your pastor and his wife and their team and what you guys are doing. So I just want to pray for you all. And I think the band's going to lead us here as we kind of wrap up this morning. But Father, I just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus today that, Lord, we would, we would, we would ask some questions about our own heart and lives 
that Joseph's testimony could instruct us to ask? I, I just pray for every person here today that they would know with confidence and clarity they're a child of God. And the only way we have a right relationship with you, O oh God, the only way that our sins are forgiven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that every person here today would know that, that they can trust him, that you give grace freely, that Jesus loves them, died for them, rose again on that third day. That's why Sunday is so special. It's the Lord's Day, man. Jesus is alive. And we have the greatest message, San Diego, Pacific Beach, all of this area could ever know. And I'm so grateful for these sweet folks who would be here on this Lord's Day. So, Lord, I pray that our testimony would be sure. And if someone just has a question about following Christ, and they would ask the pastor, myself, or some of our family here today, we just, we love them, God. And, Lord, as this church takes these steps of growth and development and struggle and milestones and victories, God, I pray for every relationship to just be ordained of you. And, Father, you would just, I mean, breathe life into this fellowship like never before. And Father, would they know they're not alone out here, God. There are people in Louisiana who are praying for them, love them, and we're here for them, oh God. And I'm grateful. I'm just grateful to be a part of what you're doing here in this place. You're awesome, Lord, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.